Due to the nature of this story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of eating disorders and terminal illness. We advise extreme caution for children under the age of 13. If you open Instagram and scroll through your feed right now, there's a good chance you'll see a post from an influencer or someone who'd like to be one. You can spot them from a mile away. Perfectly framed and lit photos, witty captions full of treacly sweet sentiment, and a mountain of hashtags. These days, they're ubiquitous. Belle Gibson was an influencer before most of us were even on Instagram. She was one of the first to figure out how to captivate an audience and persuade them to make actual life changes. But while today's influencers are sometimes accused of blurring the lines between reality and fantasy, Belle straight up lied to everyone. And it wasn't just a little white lie either. She told people she had brain cancer and rode a wave of sympathy all the way to the top. Welcome to Female Criminals, a Spotify original from Parcast. History has seen its fair share of women in trouble with the law, but whether or not they were all criminals is sometimes open to interpretation. This is the show where we cover the full spectrum of women behaving badly. This week, we'll meet Belle Gibson, a young Australian woman who lied her way through life as a misguided ploy for attention. Then we'll follow as her most audacious fabrication ever leads to her rise to Instagram fame. Next week, we'll watch Belle capitalize on her fake story and create a media empire. We'll see how she plays two major companies for fools. And finally, witness her stunning downfall. We've got all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So much of what Annabelle Gibson told people throughout her life was false, plain and simple. But this much is true. She was born in October 1991 on the Australian island of Tasmania. 
Also fact, she had a bit of a tough childhood. The Gibsons didn't have a lot of money and occasionally lived in public housing. Add to that, Belle, as everyone called her, never knew her father. He left before she had the chance. Belle's mother, Natalie, told her he was a sperm donor. But it's not clear if that was really true, because Belle's grandmother said he was a perfectly nice man, if you ignore the part about him abandoning their family. Belle didn't know who to believe, but she knew someone wasn't telling her the truth. She probably wondered whether they were trying to protect her, or if the lies were malicious. It's possible that Natalie was too embarrassed to tell her daughter the truth, or maybe she didn't know how to explain the situation to a child. Bottom line, Belle didn't know. Before we continue with Belle's psychology, please note that I'm not a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist, but we have done a lot of research for the show. According to child and family educator Kylie Rymanovitz, kids model their behavior after the adult role models in their lives. Children learn from watching and listening, and they pick up on cues for what's acceptable and what's not. Usually, kids' ideas of right and wrong depend on positive and negative reinforcement. In Belle's case, she saw that there were no consequences for whichever one of her relatives was lying to her. Not only that, but lying could help someone dodge harsh realities and even rewrite their own story. Since this was an early childhood experience, it's no surprise Belle adopted lying as a tactic, and she had a lot of motive to employ it. The Gibson family moved around Australia a lot while Belle was growing up. It seemed as if she and her brother started at a different school every year, and each time all she wanted was to be accepted. That can be hard enough on a kid, but to add to it, she may have felt that her peers looked down on her family's socioeconomic status. The Gibsons didn't live in a nice house, and Belle didn't wear stylish clothes like the other girls. Unsurprisingly, she hated it. She wanted to change how people saw her. She wanted them to like her. So she wrote herself a new story. Belle started telling little white lies to fit in. At one point, she told her classmates that she was in witness protection, of all things. And where she pulled that story from is anyone's guess. We also can't say for sure how her peers responded, but Belle must have liked their reactions because she kept spinning tales from there. She told people that her mom was sick, so sick she couldn't take care of her and her brother. And while it's true that Natalie had multiple sclerosis, as far as we know, it didn't prevent her from caring for her children. Belle also claimed her brother was autistic and that she had to do all the housework. She said she bought the groceries, cleaned the house, and cooked the meals. In short, she painted a picture of intense hardship. It's likely that in Belle's mind, all these lies served to justify her family's lifestyle. She was no longer the uncool poor girl. She was a tragic heroine, bravely facing down whatever challenges life threw at her. According to clinical psychologist Dr. Melissa Keough, this type of compulsive lying is often connected to more severe personality disorders. This could include borderline personality disorder, or BPD, which is an illness marked by extreme mood swings, a distorted and unstable self-image, and impulsive behavior. To be clear, Bell was never diagnosed with BPD, but according to Dr. Keough, people with the condition strongly fear abandonment or being seen negatively by other people. 
so they might do what they think is necessary to avoid those things. This might explain why Belle started lying. As for why she kept doing it, well, it worked. People took pity instead of turning their noses up at her, seeming to reward her dishonesty. But Belle's life of lies didn't come without challenges. Whenever someone offered to come over and help out with things around the house, she refused. She had to, otherwise they'd see the truth. Instead, she made excuses and kept up her act. In 2004, when Belle was 13, she started high school near Brisbane, on Australia's east coast. You'd think at this stage she might have outgrown her habit of deceit, but nope. She once tried to convince her fellow students that she didn't really have a father, that science was how her mother got pregnant. Another time, she told her boyfriend that the government was going to pay her $10,000 a week to care for her autistic brother. These new claims were certainly out of left field, whereas before, Belle might have aimed to explain her family's class status, now she was just inventing wild, impressive stories. But they stopped working after a while. Between the blatant lies and her older, wiser peers, Belle's lies lost their intended effect. Eventually, people stopped paying attention. Belle was at a loss for what to do. It seemed like the only option was to wait for the next time her mom uprooted the family, like always, so she could have her fresh start. But the months passed and the Gibsons remained in the Brisbane area. It turned out they weren't going to leave. Belle was stuck. She had two options here, admit to her lies and try to regain people's trust, or double down with a story no one could ignore. Which road did Belle travel? I'll give you one guess. Belle started telling people she had a serious heart problem. She went so far as to describe surgeries she'd had and fallout from her treatment. She may have thought these claims would make her too pitiful for anyone to overlook, but they were just so outlandish that no one believed her. It didn't help that Belle couldn't keep her own story straight and didn't have scars from her supposed surgeries, nor did she ever miss school. If anything, people were just amazed Belle was still pulling the same old stunt. More importantly, no one took her seriously. Few people wanted to be friends with the girl who cried wolf. She was completely alienated. But this being the early 2000s, she wasn't totally alone. Unable to form connections with her peers, Belle turned to the internet. And that's when she discovered online chat rooms. From behind a keyboard, Belle could be whoever she wanted. And ironically, she just wanted to be herself. But even that required some creative thinking. She'd spent so much time wearing false skins that she never figured out who she really was. So she role-played. This time, it wasn't to trick other people into being her friend, necessarily, but to see which persona she liked best. If she was on a message board for a rock band, she was their biggest fan. If she was on a skater forum, she was a seasoned trash talker. She was a chameleon blending in with her environment. This search for who she was bled into her real life too. Belle tried out different personalities and looks in a desperate attempt to figure out where she fit in. Fittingly, she enrolled in a theater program and took to acting with ease. Her instructor even praised her natural ability to switch roles seamlessly, which seems about right. 
But although it seems like theater could be a healthy outlet for someone like Belle, the hobby was short-lived. Maybe that's because, sort of like a chameleon, no matter what skin she put on, she knew it was temporary. No one really thought she was that person. She dropped theater and joined the local skater crowd. Then she went through an emo phase where she cropped her blonde hair and dyed it dark. But that didn't last long either. No matter what Belle did, everyone saw her as a poser. Perhaps she started to feel restricted by the number of people who judged her every day and couldn't work out how to regain their acceptance. If she ever wanted to fit in somewhere, she'd have to leave Brisbane, leave it all behind. She became determined to get as far away as possible from the people she'd grown up with. Belle probably knew that her mother wasn't willing to move again, but she wasn't going to let that stop her from getting her fresh start. In 2008, she decided to drop out of school altogether. It's unclear if she talked to her mom about her plans, but in the end, Natalie didn't stop her. Either she gave her blessing or she just didn't care enough to put up a fight. Either way, if Belle left school, she'd have to become financially independent and take care of herself. Belle believed she could handle life on her own. She was so sure of herself that she didn't just leave school, she bought a ticket to Perth on the other side of the country. It was gonna be a fresh start all right, one that would change her life forever. She just didn't know it yet. Coming up, Belle gets lost between fact and fiction. What could be more shocking than uncovering the deep, dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Carter from the podcast series, Conspiracy Theories. Every Monday and Wednesday, take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction and discover that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. From the government's link to Bigfoot and the otherworldly secrets of the Vatican, to the Grateful Dead's role in the spread of LSD, and more. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may just be outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In 2008, 17-year-old Belle Gibson left behind her life in Brisbane, Australia, and moved across the country to Perth. Her first order of business was to find work, and she ended up at a call center for a private health insurer. It was her job to answer phones and record the details of policyholders' injuries and illnesses. She did this for seven months, which was enough time for her to absorb plenty of medical jargon and comprehension. 
Back when she'd lied to her classmates about having a heart problem, she didn't have the know-how to back it up and was easily called out. Now she knew a thing or two and could see where she'd gone wrong. But this information didn't bring Belle back down to earth. It didn't make her shake her head at how silly she'd been as a young kid. In fact, it was just the opposite. She stretched her palms and opened her laptop. Time to try again. Back in the chat forums, she added heart-wrenching details to her many stories. First, she said she died on an operating table. She explained that doctors used defibrillation paddles to resuscitate her, but it didn't work, so she went into cardiac arrest. According to the Post, she was dead for three minutes. In another message, Bell wrote, I had fluid in the membrane around my heart that needed to be drained, or else it would have stopped pumping blood. I need to get a valve replaced, but can't afford it yet. She piled it on from there, describing subsequent heart tests, rehab, and even chemotherapy. The list was absurdly long and comprehensive. Let me pause for a moment and give some context for what might have been going on with Belle here. One possible explanation for Belle's actions is that she had a form of factitious disorder, previously known as Munchausen syndrome. This is a condition where a person fabricates an illness to get attention and sympathy. Someone with Munchausen's might harm themselves to get treatment and even undergo painful tests and procedures. A distinct trait of Munchausen's is to frequently relocate. Someone with the disorder might pack their bags when they realize people have caught on, then move somewhere where no one knows their history again and again. In the digital age, a new form of this disorder arose called Munchausen's by Internet, or MBI. Dr. Mark Feldman coined the term, and according to him, this version is similar to the original, but it takes place online. Like traditional Munchausen's, someone with MBI will pretend to be sick in order to gain care and attention from others. But as with all online activity, people with MBI have the shield of a screen. That means they don't have to carry out any physical aspects associated with the disorder, like harming themselves, going through with procedures, or moving. This may explain why Belle turned to chat rooms after moving to Perth. She'd been burned by her lies in the past, and the internet was just easier. Not to mention she may have learned through her job how much support and attention was out there on the internet, just waiting for her to soak up. And just like it had when she dabbled in various chat rooms in high school, Belle's online persona started bleeding over into her real life. She'd made a few friends in Perth by then, and her new group found her carefree and fun. For a while, these friendships carried on as normal. But then, Belle dropped a bombshell. She told her friends that she had brain cancer and watched their reactions. Obviously, they were shocked. Belle was the picture of health, and she was so young. It just wasn't fair. They wanted to do what they could to help. According to ethicist Julie Cruz, Belle's friends took her story at face value because people reason, consciously or unconsciously, that a sick person is also a truthful person. And now older and uh, a little bit wiser, Belle figured she knew how to play the part of a sick person. At least she knew she had to back up her extreme claims, but she didn't really think things through. 
It all started when she shaved a patch of hair off the side of her head to make it look like she had a craniotomy. She sported the bald spot for months while her hair grew back. Pretty clever, right? Well, not really, because the kind of surgery she purported to have would have left a serious scar. Maybe Belle overlooked this, or maybe she hoped no one would notice. But they did. Her friends grew skeptical. They knew something was off. However, no one wanted to be the person who called out the girl with cancer, so they let it be for the time. But Belle managed to stay in the spotlight one way or another. On top of her supposed medical issues, Belle announced that she was pregnant. And unlike almost everything else she told her friends, this was true. The father was 20-something Nathan Corbett, who she'd been seeing for a short time. The details of their relationship are scant, especially because Belle never posted much about Nathan online. Regardless, becoming pregnant seemed to ignite something in Belle. On the horizon, she saw a chance to shed her skin and become something new once more, a mother. And the timing worked in her favor because she sensed her friends distancing themselves. Shaving her head hadn't done the trick. And since her pregnancy would start to show soon, she wanted to be able to make the most of her situation. So it was time for a new audience and a new city. Her friends were shocked when she told them she was leaving Perth. Belle was pregnant, maybe recovering from cancer, and headed for a new city where she had zero support. But she said she had to move to be closer to her doctor, and assured them Nathan would follow soon after. She'd be just fine, she promised, playing the familiar role of the stoic hero. So in late 2009, after living in Perth for about a year, 18-year-old Belle boarded a plane back east and eventually ended up in Melbourne. Soon after settling in, she booted up her laptop. She was ready to see what it felt like to be a mom and found a parenting forum for expecting mothers. At first, Belle ingratiated herself into the group by telling the truth. Hold on, wait, no, yeah, okay. Oh, she, she told the truth. For example, she shared her ultrasound after finding out she was having a boy. But despite this initial honesty, the otherwise healthy outlet soon became yet another of Belle's performance stages. And she embellished even more than she had with her friends in Perth. She started telling the group that she had cancer, which was now her standard line, but she also announced that she was treating it with all natural methods, like detoxing and chiropractic treatment. It's worth noting here that Belle finally had a genuine community who cared about something she was actually experiencing, and she still decided to lie to get more attention. According to experts at Cleveland Clinic, online groups for people with certain health issues are meant to be a safe place for individuals to come together and discuss their difficulties, share tips, and provide support. As I mentioned before, a person with Munchausen's by internet might be drawn to these groups. Someone with MBI might even say they have symptoms that are far more severe than anyone else's, or try to get the focus back on themselves when someone else is getting attention. That might be why Belle started lying about cancer again. Having a community wasn't enough. She wanted to be the leading lady. 
But she didn't just talk about her pregnancy and fake cancer. She also shared details about her finances, her living situation, and even expressed that she felt let down by her friends. While we have no way of knowing whether the details of those claims were true, it's clear that Bell was lonely and desperate for a purpose. But when she gave birth to her son in July of 2010, she found that purpose. By all accounts, Belle was a great mother. Her son, Ollie, was her entire world. Nathan joined them in Melbourne as promised, but he struggled to find work, so Belle stepped in as breadwinner. She got a job at a baby store, and Nathan stayed home with Ollie. But the glimmer of new motherhood soon started to fade. Belle loved Ollie more than anything, but just because she was a mother didn't mean that was all she was. She was still a person in her own right. Specifically, she was the same person she'd always been. And so in 2011, 19-year-old Belle walked into the Alfred Hospital's neurology unit in Melbourne. Once she sat down with the doctor, Belle rolled off a litany of symptoms. She cited spasms, dizziness, blurred vision, speech problems, and breathlessness. She complained about forgetting things, even her own name, and having trouble following conversations. When the doctor asked for her family's medical history, she fabricated a record of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke. She recycled the lie about her brother having an autism spectrum disorder. This time, she also said he had epilepsy. The only shred of truth she uttered was that her mom had MS. I'll pause for a moment to point out that it's surprising Belle sought actual medical care instead of just going online for validation. It's possible that she'd gone so long without special attention that she just got desperate. In any case, given everything Bell said, the doctor ordered full blood tests, but the results showed nothing wrong. So he sent Bell for an MRI. When the results came in, the neurologist approached Bell with a smile. Her scans were clean. She showed no signs of MS and there was no trace of cancer. For most people, this would be a moment of utter relief, which is why the doctor was probably surprised when Belle broke down in tears. For nearly half an hour, she couldn't stop crying. In the end, the neurologist chalked her ailments and unexpected emotions up to new motherhood. He figured her symptoms were caused by migraines, panic attacks, or depression, all of which were well-documented in struggling parents. He told Belle all of this and suggested she seek counseling. But Belle pushed back. She wasn't depressed. There was something physically wrong with her. It seems this was the moment Belle became fully convinced that her claims were the truth. Maybe she'd walked into the hospital hoping for some proof of her brain cancer claims. And now she decided she wasn't going to walk out without it. She committed herself to her story. So when Belle did finally leave the hospital, she let everything the doctor said slip from her mind. She'd been told in no uncertain terms that physically she was 100% healthy, but that didn't matter. In Belle's mind, she was dying of brain cancer, and she was gonna make sure everyone knew it. Coming up, Belle becomes an Instagram sensation. <sighs> 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to The Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. Now back to the story. In 2011, 19-year-old Belle Gibson visited Melbourne's Alfred Hospital for a neurology consultation. The doctor gave her a clean bill of health, but based on her past behavior, one might guess that she returned home and told her partner, Nathan, a very different story. Her cancer had returned. Unlike some of the other people Belle had met while living in Perth, it seems Nathan always believed she really had cancer, so this likely would have had a real emotional impact on him. For Belle, it's possible she just liked the extra affection and devotion her diagnosis earned. But a few months later, in an unexpected turn of events, Belle and Nathan split. It seemed amicable enough. He remained in their son's life, and Belle still considered him her best friend. It wasn't long before Belle started seeing someone new. Clive Rothwell was much older, but he provided for Belle and loved Ollie. Not to mention, he initially believed Belle had cancer as well. For Belle, Clive was the total package. But her new relationship didn't deter Belle from her course. If anything, the more adult her life became, the more confident she got in her lies. That confidence might have been what inspired the next phase of her story. One day in 2012, Belle was lounging around her home, scrolling through the internet. One tap led to another until she discovered Instagram. The photo-sharing platform was only two years old at this point, so it didn't dominate users' interactions with friends or businesses like it does today. In particular, Instagram didn't have influencers yet, but it was still the same basic concept. Belle scrolled endlessly through bright, touched-up photos. She quickly learned the functions of the platform. When she assessed how many likes certain kinds of posts got, she thought to herself that she could surely do better. Now, we can say a lot of things at Belle's feet, but she was definitely ahead of her time because she began to ideate a cohesive, coordinated feed, and she already knew exactly what kind of story would get people to hit that like button. So she created an account. Her screen lit up her face as she typed in her new handle, at healing underscore Belle. As for her bio, Belle wrote the following description of herself. Belle Gibson, game changer with brain cancer plus a food obsession. 
She immediately started sharing photos and penning captions. Her social media feeds created a narrative that she'd been diagnosed with brain cancer back in 2009 when she'd been told she only had four months to live. She tried traditional treatments like chemotherapy, but when that didn't work, she took control of her health by changing her diet. And it worked. She cured her brain cancer and had been living her best life ever since. Now she wanted to help others live their best lives. Like most people at the time, Belle used Instagram to post pictures of her meals. But hers stood out from the crowd. The photos were bright, clean, and refreshing. She used her online presence to rave about the benefits of superfoods and claimed they cured her cancer. She portrayed herself as a phoenix rising from the ashes, someone who'd been on the brink of death, who couldn't be helped by modern medicine, who'd journeyed to their own salvation. Plus, you know, it all looked so pretty. Basically, it came down to this. Belle was a good photographer and an even better storyteller. Before most people even knew what a personal brand was, she had one. Slowly but surely, she gained followers. First, it was just a couple hundred, then a few thousand. As her audience grew, Belle fine-tuned her posts. She saw what got the most engagement and churned out more of that content. She posted about organic recipes and juice detoxes. She even made charts to show which foods were most hydrating. Belle's brand centered on the belief that healthy eating was the key to a long life. Of course, learning about the nutritional content of what you eat can be a good thing, but Belle took it to the extreme. She told people to cut out so many types of foods that it may have actually become restrictive. Studies have shown that these so-called fad diets often fail to provide the proper nutrients people need. There's a condition where a person is too obsessed with healthy eating. It's an eating disorder known as orthorexia nervosa, or ON. According to Dr. Jonathan Scarf, ON has some specific characteristics that set it apart. Unlike other eating disorders, people with this condition tend not to feel ashamed or embarrassed about their eating patterns. Rather, they shout it from the rooftops. They're proud of their diets and want everyone to follow in their footsteps. In addition, they don't avoid food unless they're fasting, but they only consume certain forms of sustenance. As a result, those with ON are often perfectionists who are obsessed with details and perceived rules. They also display an unhealthy level of hypermorality, which makes them feel superior to others and inhibits self-reflection. It's a toxic combination. In terms of Bell's brand and message, there was another dynamic at play, too. According to oncologist Mark Rosenthal, patient blaming is one reason that people might turn to alternative methods like the ones Bell suggested. Patient blaming is the idea that a sick person is somehow responsible for getting sick. Per that logic, it's on them to get healthy. Bell played into all of this. Every photo, caption, and inspirational quote reinforced the idea that her followers were in charge of their own lives. It was up to them to be healthy. They had to make the change. They were responsible for whether they lived or died. And many of Bell's followers ate it up. 
They wanted what she had for themselves. They believed that this miraculous self-healing was possible. So here's where Bell's lies became downright dangerous. Because people with real conditions turned to her feed for guidance. Many of these people were diagnosed with terminal illnesses, and Bell convinced them she knew how to save them. They didn't need doctors or even medicine. They only needed her. Almost overnight, Bell had once again reinvented herself, this time into a social media wellness guru with a rabid, loyal following. As Bell's follower count ballooned, she basked in a level of attention she'd only ever dreamed of. There were hundreds of comments on all her posts. Like disciples, Bell's followers spread her message far and wide. People called her a warrior and an angel. They said she was the most inspirational person they'd ever known. Bell engaged with her community, too. She replied to Instagram comments and even created a Facebook group. Apparently, she convinced herself it was all to help others, that she was providing resources and knowledge. Her fame made its way around the globe. Soon, she had more than 200,000 followers. It wasn't celebrity status, but for a regular woman in a time where influencers weren't yet a thing, it was definitely a lot. It all went to Belle's head. The idea that she was a brain cancer survivor felt as intrinsic as the fact that she had hazel eyes. And as Belle's benevolent self-image solidified, she got a great idea. She would found her very own company. She decided her first product would be a food and wellness smartphone app. It's hardly revolutionary now, but in 2012, there was no such thing. iPhones had only been out for five years, and apps were still a relatively new concept. In fact, there was not a single wellness app on the market. Bell wanted to change that, so she got down to business. First, she needed coders. The app she envisioned would normally cost around 50 grand, but Bell hired three young coders for a fraction of that cost, using her illness to play on their heartstrings. While they built out the back end, Bell filed paperwork for her business, and in April of 2013, the 21-year-old social media star became the CEO of her own lifestyle brand, The Whole Pantry. Bell had big dreams for The Whole Pantry. The app would help her reach a larger audience, but it didn't have to stop there. She could see it all clearly. She'd launch a craze, a lifestyle, a movement. All of it centered around her. But Bell never could have predicted what happened next. Thanks again for tuning in to Female Criminals. We'll be back next week with part two, when Bell's lies go big league. For more information on Bell Gibson, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Woman Who Fooled the World by Bo Donnelly and Nick Toscano, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Female Criminals and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. 
Female Criminals is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Female Criminals was written by Alex Burns, with writing assistance by Sarah Batchelor and Joel Callen. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Mickey Taylor and Chelsea Wood. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thank you.